Welcome to Intuitive Journey with Desiree. I am Desiree Holmes Shirini, your host, and I'm really delighted to be here with Peter Cater. And I have my cheat sheet, so I'm going to scroll through this and not say everything because I'm going to be asking him questions about all of this. But Peter is a Grammy-winning, multi-platinum selling pianist and composer, and he's been a leading innovator of contemporary instrumental music for over three decades. He's received many awards and accolades for his rich and diverse music, including 13 Grammy Award nominations and a Grammy Award in 2018, right? Um, so he's a prolific composer. He's re- released over <laughs> he's released over 70 critically acclaimed recordings and has scored the music for over 100 television and film publications. And I'm I'm going to kind of skip over some of the stuff there because I'll be asking you about it. But among the places that he's played are for the Olympics, the Kennedy Center and Carnegie Hall. He also is amazingly very accessible and plays in smaller venues. He lives in Boulder and Hawaii. He plays uh, personally for people in a sort of a therapeutic way and I'm, you're going to hear all about it. And I was lucky enough to meet Peter when he played for a fundraiser in Annapolis, Maryland. And I, uh, my friend uh, Harry Novak made sure that I met him so that I could do this interview. And he said, I think you need to meet Peter. And he was right. So I'm really delighted to be here with you. I just had my own reading done. And as we're talking, we're, I'm going to you know, describe it more when we get into that part. But right now, I want to introduce you, Peter, and just um, start asking questions. But, Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. So I know from your bio, which actually this is a very brief bio, and I did not even read through the whole thing. His complete bio is something like three pages long, and uh, in the uh, comments or the section, the description, you can go down there and I'll be having all sorts of links where you can find more about Peter and especially how to find his music. But you've done like everything. How long has your career been musically? Um, God, dating myself now. So yeah, I, know. I released my first album in 83. So I guess was when that? you were 10, when I was 10, yep. exactly. I was, so, I was 10 too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> so what is that? 30, Mm. 35 years, 36 years. Okay. that's, And I understand that you started out um, influenced and going into a, a jazz uh, music area. Is well, that kind correct? Of, or? Yeah, kind of. My first album was a solo piano album, and it was very much in the style of what I'm doing now. Okay. But, a, but an earlier, younger uh-huh. version. And I got some criticism from some of the musicians that consider themselves you know, better than me and stuff. And they were like, oh, he doesn't really know how to play jazz. And and they were being critical. And I was, you know, I was young and I wanted to prove them wrong. Yeah. So I decided to see what I could do in the contemporary jazz world. So I started doing doing more of that kind of music. And I, I had three top 10 albums and actually a number two album nationally on the contemporary jazz charts. I think mostly just to prove that I could do it. Yeah. And then I kind of went back to... Yeah. Doing more heart-centered kind yeah. of stuff, and, and that sounds um, familiar. I uh, was um, we'll get distracted. <laughs> yeah, more we get, uh, and if you guys are listening to my podcast or videos, one of the um, things that I released was about other people's opinions. I think it's episode right. six. If you want to go back to that, you can understand what um, Peter and I are talking about because yeah. it's there's that authenticity. Right. There's the part where you're you're playing for someone else, or you're performing, or you're being a different you because of what other people expect from you. But then when you get back into your own heart based center, you know, there you are. It's like, yeah. So tell us how this, well, I wanted to clarify too. There's nothing wrong with contemporary jazz or jazz. It's just not me. Right. It was, you know, it it was somebody else. It's a part of you, but it's not, it's not my my calling. Yeah. Yeah. The core. Yeah. So what was the question? Next question. I forgot. So, <laughs> but uh, there's that sensation. I mean, do you? Uh, it, it seems like for a lot of people I've talked to that when they allow themselves to be authentic and let go of, like, art, I, as an artist, I know this from a lot of artists that when they just paint from their heart, the things that they create at musician or painters 
seem to be the ones that everybody likes the most. That seems to be when people really connect. When people are being authentically themselves. Yeah. Then, then people connect with that because yeah. it connects with the part of themselves that is authentic. Mm -hmm. See, authenticity is one of those buzzwords for me. One of my favorite two words together is authenticity heals. So it's like, you know, if we're being yeah. genuinely ourselves, being transparent, being authentic and honest with ourselves, with who we are, then that resonates in other people. And what comes up is everything that's in the way of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if, if we're being authentically ourselves and vibrating from that deep place, we're going to have to process our stuff that's around that, keeping that from being, you know, yeah, that's burying that. And then other people are going to have to do the same thing because that's what happens when, when we resonate something, the people around us will resonate the same thing, yeah. which is why anger breeds anger, violence yeah. breeds violence and love creates love. Exactly. So I'm going to segue back because we're going to come back to this whole area about the, you know, uh, I want to segue back a little bit to uh, our introduction. I'm kind of backtracking here, but in addition to the places you've played, even, you know, like I said, it's a part of you. Any part of music, I think, is probably a part of you. And so the performing that you did with other people and, and your, your track record is very impressive. And would you name a few of the people that you've worked with and some of the projects that you've worked on? I, I just think it's, it's fascinating because you're like, you're still like a normal person mm -hmm. and, uh, but you have a really uh, diverse, but also well-known uh, history. Well, I've worked with my heroes, you know, and people that have inspired me. So mm -hmm. from very early years on where I was first recording my albums, I had the nerve to ask people <laughs> who I thought were like my, my mentors, my heroes, mm -hmm. if they would come play with me. And I was, you know, they, they could play circles around me, you know, but, but I still wanted them to be a part of what I was doing. And I learned yeah. so much from them. And then um, I also played with my, uh, like some of my favorite musicians, like uh, Dominic Miller, who's Sting's guitarist. Cool. Uh, Snotum Carr, who is a very popular uh, chantress. She's well uh, known all over the world. And uh, I just call these people up, or, uh, or Carlos Nakai, Native American flutist. Yeah, I you know I listen to someone's music over and over again, and I go, God, I just love this person, and I think it would sound great with you know piano and what I do, and so and so you just I invite a collaboration. You, you found them almost and you said, every Hi. single time I've asked, everyone has said yes. There's there's one person, this African musician, who never got back to me, but I don't know if she ever got my, my email anyway. <laughs> well, so. maybe she'll see my famous you know video here. That's right. And she'd be like, Oh my God, Peter Kater wrote to me. <laughs> She'll go searching her emails. I don't think so. Uh, well, I think that's just so cool. So how about now? Are you doing mostly uh, solo stuff? No, but you're, you're still working with some other people. But um, on, on Wings, for example. Okay, so I need to say the, uh, the album that you just got the Grammy for. Dancing on Water. Dancing on Water. Okay. And Wings was a song on that. No, Wings is my new album. You're, see, I'm so confused. See, I don't know my stuff. Okay. Bad interviewist. Okay, Dancing on Water, you got your Grammy for. Yeah. And was that a collaboration? No, or that was Wings? solo piano. Okay, and Wings is... Also, just me. It's not just solo piano. There's some synth strings and stuff on okay. there, but that's me also. Wow. And the Dancing on Water, was that the one that was purely... Um, improvised. Improvised, okay. And it was for so, all people lying under my piano, one, one person at a time. Which I just got to do, and we're going to get to mm -hmm. that. Okay, because I know that you had a comment in one of your interviews that I, you know, got to see was uh, you said people asked you when you're going to concert, hey, play this from you know your album, and you said, but it was improvised. Improvised, so I could improvise I that I'm playing that again. <laughs> Do they ever come back to you those tunes? No, it, it's just like in and out, right? It's in and out unless it's one of those improvs where in the moment I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then I have the space to actually go back and at that moment revisit mm -hmm. it and develop it and remember it. Right. But that's never the case usually because I'm improvising for people under my piano. So I can't say, you know, hold on a second. Let me work on this for a little bit. You right. know, then by the time, you know, I'm done talking to them, they're gone. Then, mm -hmm. And then and, it's out of like a Yeah, dream, and then I don't of. have the desire to go back and listen to it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know why. Yeah. I, it's almost like. And some of my best improvisations are not recorded. You know, like sometimes I'll do a whole evening concert of improvised material 
And sometimes it's like it's the best stuff I've ever done, but it's not recorded. And that's almost like the beauty of it in mm. a way. You know what I mean? It's like it's like that that perfect sunset that you didn't bring your camera for. I know. <laughs> you know and I mean? you're almost relieved. Yeah. I'm almost relieved when the battery dies in my phone. Right, because then you could be so present. And I'm like, oh, okay. I can't take 500 pictures of yet another sunset. My battery died. And you're forced to be in the moment. Right. Yeah, and actually when he did my <laughs> reading, I said, oh, wait, maybe I should record this. Mm. And he just looked at me. <laughs> He's like, no, uh, just just be in the moment. I'm like, okay. So, um, and that was better than thinking, oh, wait, is this my good side while I'm laying under the piano? <laughs> right, thinking about how you're looking. Or me thinking about how I'm looking while I'm playing. That's, That's true. The they only thing. see your feet. <laughs> right. <That's so> <laughs> like like right. is it a Charlie Brown or something. Right, my bare feet there. Yeah. Piano. Anyway, so when you're in that moment, and, and so my show is called Intuitive Journey with Desiree, which... Uh, which I think I'm focusing on the fact that when you decide is, in a way, sort of, um, you know, your Susan Lucci moment was broken. You know, it's like you, you will, Susan Lucci, she's always nominated for oh, that's right. an award. Yeah, yeah, right. and, but, but it's almost like you had all these nominations and it's great to be nominated. But you even said it's better to win. I saw that quote. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, better it's better to win. And there's that whole push and pull about other people and and wanting that recognition but also yeah definitely we're part of a whole and so when we feel like people recognize or we're rewarded for what we're feeling it is that great feeling of like okay good someone else gets this um so it was really that purely intuitive uh piano playing without you know mm -hmm. following a, a script that uh, brought you that mm -hmm. award. It's interesting because, you know, going back to the jazz thing, so I was playing jazz festivals and I even headlined a couple. Actually, I headlined one in Norfolk, Virginia. Oh. I headlined that jazz festival one year. And you're playing for thousands of people and they're all having fun and you're playing music that's kind of upbeat, and, you mm -hmm. know, and you have yeah. like big endings and people are like clapping and going, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You think that that would be better than having having someone under your piano crying because you're, you know, feeling something <laughs> mm -hmm. deep or, you know, yeah. or the feedback that I get about, you know, using my music for, I mean, you know, their, their, their child's birth, their dad's funeral, their, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely, I go for the meaningful stuff. And as much as I love the Grammy nominations and I loved winning the Grammy, you know, it's, it's, it's really not, right. it's not it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not yeah. it. It is. And, uh, you know, what's it is, is being in the moment. And, you know, I mean, and it's a gradual process, too. It's not like I decided that, oh, I'm just going to be in the moment and that was it. That's my practice. That's my spiritual practice. You know, mm -hmm. it's like when I started doing concerts when I was in my 20s, I was maybe in the moment and in the zone for like a minute out of a 90-minute concert. You know what I mean? Because the rest yeah. of the concert, I'd be thinking about what I just did or what I'm going to do next. Yeah. Yeah. Right or worried about what people out there are yeah. thinking of what you did, exactly. what you're about to do. Exactly. Yeah. If I made a mistake, I'd be thinking about that mistake for the next thirty minutes. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. So gradually over all this time, you know. So then it was like, oh, I was present, you know, a quarter of the time, you know, a third of the time. Honestly, now I'm present, you know, when I'm performing music, anywhere from eighty to ninety-five percent of the time. But that's happened over decades of practice. That's my yeah. spiritual practice. And so besides that happening when you're playing. I do it in my personal. Okay, so what, what would you say your routine is as far as um, spiritual practice? It doesn't even really matter. Being in the it doubt. doesn't even matter what my routine is. I mean, I could be sitting there I meditating mean, do or one? doing the dishes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, some people, like, are very regimented. They get up. They do 90 minutes of this. and the end of the, Yeah, so. I, I know I personally, it sounds like maybe from what you just said, I, I personally know I'm a little bit more, like, in the moment every moment I can be, like at the stoplight. I like to look at the birds and the trees or look at the grass moving in. You know, it's it's in that moment. And it's one of the things that I think gets in people's way, thinking they have to meditate. Um, and some people do need to meditate, and sometimes we need to meditate. Yeah. And But you can you can catch, catch those moments in the moment, right? So do you have any sort of like routine that you stick to, or is it uh, kind of ebb and flow depending on where you are in your life? It's totally ebb and flow. 
in the early days, I meditated and chanted three to four hours a day. Wow. And I would do a three-day water fast for any concert. And I was fasting during the concert. My gosh. Because I wanted to be as pure a vessel as possible. And I was very concerned about my mind chatter. And I just thought the more I meditate, the more I chant, the more I fast, the more I purify, you know, the more I'm going to be authentically myself and truly present in my life. Not necessarily true. It certainly helped, and it was definitely a phase I went through. Mm-hmm. And, then, and was that like in the beginning of your playing or in the beginning after the jazz or before the That jazz? was before my career really took off. Okay. And it was the first the first couple of years uh, when it was – actually, my career kind of took off kind of fast. I went from mm-hmm. you know, playing churches and clubs to releasing an album and all of a sudden playing larger venues and theaters within a year, year and a half. Wow. Um, so, but in that learning curve, I had to decide, am I going to make like, you know, this time spiritual and this time mundane, or am I going to try to integrate these two polarities? And mm-hmm. so I decided to try to make everything spiritual. Everything is sacred. Everything is profound. Everything is a miracle. If we get really, really present mm-hmm. and really, I mean, I'm talking about not like we are now, but like just really like present with anything or anyone. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah. And that's not a heady thing that I'm saying. That's that's an experience of like, wow. Yeah, everything is wow. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were talking earlier about, you know, what my, if I have an audience out there, whoever's my audience. Um, but we were talking about how you guys know that I, the metaphysical realm, that energy, that, that the connectedness is what I'm, just so fascinated with and so aware of more and more and it is everything like this that we're sitting here and these like you know skin and eyeballs and everything that comes together in this physical reality when you know our spiritual self is like here and there and it's it's um it's a great awareness to have Mm -hmm. and to really stop and just go wow um Mm -hmm. You know, when I, kind of a segue here, but I was going to get to this anyway. While I laid under the piano, and I'm during this, I'm going to give you a shot of the piano here too. But while I laid under the piano, and he played, I um, I'm very visual, and so I was uh, telling Peter that I had sort of this National Geographic, uh, you know, trip, <laughs> and it started with stardust. And then I kind of came down to earth and went down a river and flew across meadows over the earth, over to a Hawaiian sunset. And it was, you know, it went down and then I sat in the dark. You know, we're looking at the stars. I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> and um, it, it kind of ties into that whole, like the world's miracle feeling. Mm-hmm. It was just all connected. Yeah. So, it's, nice. it's great what music does. Yeah, like I said, I don't see anything. And yeah, and I asked him, I said, what were you thinking? He says, nothing. nothing. I'm all about the music. Nothing. I'm just all about just following the music. But I always hear people tell me their stories. I'm yeah. Like, that's nice. You're like, that's <laughs> nice, that's weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, no. everyone has their own experience. Yeah. And I was surprised that, like, nothing was going, like, you, you don't, do you visualize when you play? Or it's usually simply just the sound where your fingers are going. It's just more of like yeah, really like in get, the moment. There's ideas, not like a visual. I get ideas and indications of what I need to do next or what I should do mm-hmm. next, and I just do it. Ideally, it's like it's like we were saying earlier that we don't second guess. We can't second guess mm-hmm. when it comes to creativity. Really, you shouldn't even really in life. You know, I mean, certainly yeah. there are things that we should not do, but usually we have an indication of that. You know, if we catch it. Yeah. Like you were talking about changing from your jazz career, mm-hmm. like ebbing out of that. Um, how did that decision come apart? Uh, you know, was it sort of like, did you have a second guessing yourself about, about whether you should move from that? Getting out of the jazz thing? Yeah, it going just, into the, you know, the it, just wasn't, it wasn't making me that happy. And then I, uh, I found this, um, this cassette of uh, Native American flutist, Art Carlos Nakai, of him playing solo flute. And I was listening to it, and I was like, wow, this flute sounds great, you know? And then I 
eventually went over to the piano and started playing some notes along with mm-hmm. the flute. And then I kind of figured out what he was doing. And then I full blown played along to, you know, the flute thing. And, and I thought, wow, this is really cool. And so I reached out to him and asked and him. And you didn't know him at all? or no, I didn't even know if he lived in a teepee or where he was. Because <laughs> his CD cover for his Earth Spirit album it has him in native dress, mm-hmm. you know, standing okay. there playing his flute. And uh, I had no idea, like, is, you know, who is this person, you know? And um, so I, I tracked him down through the label, and we recorded a record together. Like, you know, very, very, it was all improvised, and it was all very spontaneous. And I really thought it was going to be some sort of a little side project just for me. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting really anyone else to really appreciate it. And that record sold 10 times as much as my contemporary jazz albums. Oh. There was such a big audience for it right away. So it really wasn't a tough decision. Right. It was like I was being So lied. even, even um, you know, practicality as yeah. well as your it you know, gut feeling, yeah. like it's kind of streamlined. Everything in my life doing. and career, I always feel like I'm being led. Yeah. You know, I've, never, I've never been one of these vision board kind of people who mm-hmm. wants to, who thinks they know what they want or what they need for True. the next steps and they draw pictures and, I've all the most amazing things that have ever happened to me in my life weren't on my radar. Yeah. I, I didn't even knew I didn't even know that I wanted to do it or that that would make or me that happy. it existed. Yeah. Sometimes I have that where I'm like like yesterday I'm visiting well, I'm visiting here in Colorado and um, one of my kind of mantras is where's the message in this or why am I here? What brought me here? And um, I ended up visiting what turns out to be who knew it was here. I didn't know it was here. A stupa. Uh, yeah, and it's out in I don't even know what town it's it's at, nearby, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was just this most beautiful experience. And so while I'm there, I'm asking myself, you know, why did I? Why is this here? Why did I find out it's here? Why did I? I was going to go to Estes Park, mm-hmm. and I had that in my thing, and I said no, and I changed it, and I went out to the uh, stupa, mm-hmm. and. It was uh, just a fascinating experience. And then I found out that they run workshops out of there. They have all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. happening there. I got in conversation with a guy about frequency. He goes, oh, yeah, we have these rooms here with different colors and geometry. And we had this long conversation about all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. So um, I'm like, well, I need to set an intention to come back here and do a workshop. You know, mm-hmm. just make it happen. And of course, that's me setting the intention. But mm-hmm. um now I have to do something about it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was like, why am I here? What's this? Yeah. And all the time I'm asking what, what's in, what's the message? Even if it's something bad, you know, would be labeled bad. Like where's the message? Where's the learning? Where's the silver lining? And um, things do fall into place. And just having that, like you were saying, having that trust, I guess. Mm-hmm that you're going where you need to go, even if you don't know where it is. It's yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. Is like the right direction. Yeah. I used to, years ago, I used to call that like a radical faith. You know, radical like a, faith. Just like faith like everything mm-hmm. is exactly as it's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't see it as, as intense anymore. I just see it as more of a kind of a softer kind of acceptance mm-hmm. of things. Yeah, because uh, as we were saying a few minutes ago, we can't, we really can't control uh, every situation or other people. And, you know, sometimes it comes to that point where you're just like, hmm, well, let's see. We'll see where this is going and, mm-hmm. um, and just go for the ride. So, what do you see in your future as far as music? <laughs> nothing or do you you letting, you're letting it come along or i don't know i really like my retreats a lot those have been a lot yeah, of tell fun. me about those so that, or tell the audience about that yeah the so there's the viewers there's these uh retreats i've been doing they're called the art of presence and i do them once a year in the summer in montana northern oh, montana cool. and once a year on maui in uh, february during whale season and the whole thing is just really being present um in montana I play music every day. Uh, we do some exercises and being present with each other, uh, ourselves, with nature. We have uh, great meals prepared for us every day. We uh, have guest musicians at night around a fire circle. We do. We go up into the park sometimes, Glacier National Park. Oh. Uh, we paddleboard or kayak down the Whitefish River for like three hours. Oh, nice. Which is like an amazing experience. 
and, and people just have experiences. I mean, you know, when you're present and you just let go of your story, your responsibilities, the world, mm-hmm. and just kind of show up, you know, ready to be, you know, to have some kind of experience you've never had before, then things happen. Yeah. And on Maui, it's a similar experience, but it's more, you know, Hawaii-oriented with my favorite beaches. Um, you know, we stay in a beautiful mansion, you know, with a pool right on the ocean front. Sounds terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. I might and have to come check that out. You might <laughs> have to. We have a live-in <laughs> chef, and, um, and we do all my favorite things on Maui, which include uh, paddleboarding or kayaking out to the whales, the humpback whales, mm. and throwing ourselves in their proximity, in their path, so that we have hopefully an experience of them coming close to us, because you're not supposed to be within 100 yards of them. It's a federal offense, but... Huh. One who chases uh, you down to give you a ticket, right? Oh, they do have people. Oh, have, okay. So, so, but if you, uh, if they happen to come towards you, there's really nothing you can do. How fast it. can you, you paddle to no, not break the law, right? Yeah, I, I feel totally safe with them. They're magnificent animals. Like you know, forty, sixty feet long. You know, I've seen pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and they're curious too. Sometimes they oh, will yeah. stop and check you out. Mm-hmm. They're intelligent, aren't they? I think they are. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Really, they seem to be very intelligent. Yeah. And uh, they're certain. I think they could be the the longest uh, living mammal that we have in terms of a species. Whales or elephants or some. Yeah. yeah the larger whales ones used to be. To, yeah. land, they used to be land animals. You know? whales, oh. Well, that's why they're mammals. Oh. And feet. I'm talking about millions of years ago. Yeah. Look that up. I don't know. Did I just make that up? I don't know. No, I'll have to find out. No, like, you probably know finders. something. Yeah. You know something from a past life. When you, uh, who knows? Maybe you were there. The whale watcher. Right. So you work with groups doing the retreats. Yeah, we get anywhere from 10 to 20 people, like 10 people in Hawaii and 20 people in Montana. Those are really fun for me because yeah, not too big, they're the too. most natural nice. setting. The most relaxed, and it's a continual experience. It's not just a concert or 20 minutes under mm-hmm. the piano. It's like it's a daily thing. You know, we do yoga. You know, I mean, I, I change it up to keep it interesting because I have a lot of repeat people. Yeah. People who come to these, they go like, oh, "I'm coming again." You yes. Know? So, like the one this summer is is almost full, and it's almost all repeat people, and I haven't even really tried to sell it. You know. That's nice. Yeah. Because you know, like you were saying, it seems like. Um, when you were talking earlier about, uh, we were talking earlier about the tribe um, right. before the interview, and but also about the music and about the worrying about the audience. And it seems like when we let that authenticity show that the right people show up, that it's not something that you have to sell. You know, it, it, you can make people aware of it, but it's true. It seems like they appear for people and, and, uh, one of the things that um, that a lot of people talk about in my business with hypnotherapy is talking about niching and you've got to do this or you've got to do that and and I've kind of resisted and and you know personally kind of struggled with where's my authenticity is my mm-hmm. authenticity saying I'm only this or I'm only that mm-hmm. and um, and of course that's when I realized I already had my niche and I didn't know I had my niche and my niche is what I you know is about intuition and it's about trusting your gut and about doing what feels right mm-hmm. so um, that's why I love talking to people like you who have arrived at that point or who can talk about Mm-hmm. How it felt Depends. not to be completely there, and, right. and, to, and that you know journey to saying I'm trusting my gut. So on your bio, it mentions also that um, you are an environmentalist and humanitarian. So tell mm-hmm. me about the ways that you explore that, or support that, or how that's part of your life. Well, so again, I'm one of these people who's like, oh, you're an environmentalist. It's almost, it's almost you like, like whales. <laughs> no. Well, no, yeah. I remember the whole like save the earth movement, you mm-hmm. know, it was like save the earth. Yes. The earth is fine. Okay? I think so too. The earth is fine. It's but, just all na- natural. And But my point is, is like if anyone's, if anything's in danger, it's humanity. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're not saving the earth. Yeah. We're trying to save our own asses. Yeah. And yeah. that might get more people interested. Yeah. But <laughs> the problem is that people don't really look at it that way. Like save the rainforest, you know, save the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's like it's all misplaced perspective. Yeah. So and I was That's an al- interesting way of putting it. I, I was, like that. I was always very clear about that for whatever reason. Ever since my twenties, I was always very clear that we're not 
we're not trying to save anything outside of us. Mm-hmm. And so it was natural for me always to talk about the I love nature. I love the earth. I love, you know, I mean, I could just say that over and over again. But um, so it's natural that I would show an interest in that. So I've done, I mean, countless benefit concerts yeah. and worked with, you know, every environmental group out there. And you're a humanitarian. What does that mean? That you, you, like you, humans? you care about humans <laughs> or, or you care about someone besides yourself or your immediate family or you think uh, children are cute? Yeah, and babies children, are cute. I don't know about children. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, might, I have the opposite perspective sometimes. But, um, you know, it's like, who's not a humanitarian? Who's not an environmentalist, really? You know, but some people actually yeah. have an awareness of like, well, we actually need to do something that falls in line with yeah. with that understanding. I mean, so many people, and this is, I was going to say it's not a judgment, but it actually is somewhat of a judgment, are so concerned just about whatever's right in front of their nose. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about being present. I'm talking about their paycheck, their their shopping you know, schedule, their mall, yeah. their routine, their work. You know, it's just like thinking that going to work and coming back and this and that is really all that we're doing here. And it's like, there's so much more going on, mm-hmm. you know? And I think for better or worse, as an artist, it's easier to have that awareness because that's sort of like a natural thing. But I I don't even know where I'm going with this, but um, I think there is the potential for everyone if we just kind of wake up a little bit more yeah. and get a little more, you know, open our eyes a little more and see who we're sitting next to or what we're doing in our lives, that there's so much more we could be doing. And I, I Effortlessly, really. Th- there's that whole dynamic of um, that. For me, I talk about like that spirit, human, you know, am I human or am I spiritual being, that whole thing where it, it, there's being down at that level of just survival, like that whole Maslow's thing. There are some people that just stay at their whole life is just, just get up, survival. go to work go home, watch TV, eat, sleep, get, and then on the weekends, somebody posted on Facebook the other day, like about being bored. And I'm like, where, where is there time to be bored? That I, me personally, I have so many things that I'd love to explore books to read, Mm -hmm. you know, even entertaining movies to watch, you know, not even always like, you know, trying to learn something. And that somebody's like, I'm bored. I'm like, ah, give me (laughs) that people that, don't go out, don't access that mm-hmm. bigger awareness and the whole idea about the planet and, and the rainforest and that we are, it, it is really all connected. We're connected. And like you say, if we want to isolate that, if that's not healthy, then we and our children are going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think, however, that the earth, it does have a much more long, long-term natural cycle yeah. that people are trying to say, you know, that it's only right now is what's happening. It's right now on top of mm-hmm. this huge cycle that we can't control it comes back to that control right. and say, do what we can, you know, be aware, like you said. Um, but I could go off on a whole tangent, which I won't, but I will mention that unfortunately there are the powers that be that prevent a lot of progress Mm-hmm. when it comes to burning oil and all that sort of stuff. So um, we'll see how things change, but there are alternatives that aren't uh, readily available to people, which is a shame. Right. Your house in Hawaii, do you have uh, solar heat on it? Any solar panels yet? There's a little bit, yeah. yeah. But not much, no. Just go outside and wave the sun in. Mm-hmm. But so... Am I running out of questions here? I know I have a zillion. And as soon as no, I, I, I sign off, I'm going to be, wait a minute. You're like, oh, God, I was going to ask you. That's what the question I, that came right. in at. You're traveling a lot. You just came back from uh, a trip last week, and you're about to head out to South Korea, right? Where did I go last week? I went to Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, yes, for a concert, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and now yeah, you're... Yes, so I'm going to South Korea. I'm going to Asia a lot. I just... Um, I just signed an agreement with um, a Chinese music education company. They have yeah. 5,000 or more young piano students, and they want me to be their spokesperson. So I have to go over there wow. for press, press conferences and um, concerts. 
That's fantastic. Kind of an honor. It's an interesting yeah. sort of cross-cultural thing. And kind of, I think they like the, the fact that I'm a Grammy winner and that, uh, you know, lends clout to my supporting the Program. importance of yeah. music education, which I think is very important. And then I'm going to South Korea. So I have to go to China six times in the next year. And then my gosh, South Korea, all um, different parts of China or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a big education. And then South Korea, I'm going for the, I think the fifth time on Tuesday. That's fascinating. Do you, I mean, and you like the, the travel. Travel doesn't bother me. I do like it. I mean, there are things about it that can be frustrating. Like if you have a delay or something, but yeah, long distance traveling, it's fine. And how about, do you speak any Korean or Chinese yet? <laughs> I don't know if I will. Those are two languages that are very hard. They're yeah. very subtle, and I just can't imagine actually learning any. I could I could imagine speaking some Japanese because mm-hmm. it's a little different, a lot different. Um, but fortunately, I'm kind of spoiled. I mean, they give me. They give you somebody? Translators. I was wondering and, about know, that because. Yeah, they hold my hand through the whole okay, thing. Okay, that's I just, good. I just got to show you up. You just show up. That's the job I want. I just want to show yeah. up and have. And then Somebody they, yeah, and take then they, care of then everything. They treat me well. You know, they take me to their nicest restaurants, and you know, they want to, yeah. you know, show me what a beautiful country they yeah. have. You know, so that's yeah, it could be worse. It's a tough job. It's a tough you know, job, but, but somebody's got to do it. Through it, yeah, <laughs> you'll hang in there. I'll hang in there as long um, as I can. How about your um, early education, piano? Uh, you obviously studied and studied, and who who started you on that? Well, it's not what you would think. So when I was six years old, my mom asked me if I wanted to play a musical instrument. And I said, no, not really. <laughs> and she says, well, you're going to, so I'm going to take you to some concerts and you're going to decide what kind of instrument you want to play. So she took me to a bunch of concerts and I was like, oh, I think I want to play a wind instrument, like a saxophone or a trombone or yeah. something like that where I'm using my breath. Uh-huh. And she goes, no, you can play the piano. <laughs> She asked you, and then she told you which one, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, maybe she knew something that we didn't, right? Yeah, and so then uh, she got me a piano teacher, and within three months, the piano teacher was like, I'm not teaching him, he's impossible, so I'd go home. Were you, like, just a bad kid? I just didn't like to play things as they were written. Oh. I liked to improvise around Oh, okay. Things. And uh, even as a young child, and so I'd go home and say, yeah, she's not teaching me, so I guess we're done with this. And she goes, no, I'm going to get you another teacher. That happened three times in the first year. Well, wow, she teams. persevered instead she of just pers- saying, oh, forget yeah, the kid, go, was, go play the computer game. Or, well, yeah. we weren't any computers then, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, go outside and play. Yeah, go yeah. play in the dirt, find yeah. a stick or something. <laughs> and uh, uh, so she persevered, yeah. And she just made me practice. And I didn't really like it, classical lessons at all. And then finally, when I was a teenager, she found me a teacher who could teach me how to improvise and then it became interesting okay and then I immediately started writing my own music by the time I was like 16 17 my own songs you yeah know? I mean they were base, very basic mm-hmm. but um and then one thing led to another I mean again it was one of those things where I felt like I was led I was never right. I was never like I want to be a musician and I'm going to work hard to yeah. make that happen it was more like yeah you know people would say oh you should go try to play at that restaurant you should audition at that club or whatever and I'd be like really and they go, yeah, go, go do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that, you know. And so then I'd get the gig, and one thing just kept leading to another. And I still feel like my life kind of works that way. Yeah. I never saw the Chinese thing coming. No, who would, right? You know, that, that happened within a week. I mean, it was like a week from someone asked me if I'd be interested to it being a signed agreement. Wow, done deal. that's great. Yeah, out of nowhere, and it was done. And that's how things are. Even the Broadway stuff in New York, I didn't mm-hmm. see that coming. I got a phone call one night, like, uh, we want to use your music for this play, you know, written by, you know, a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright with all the, you know, top A-list actors of the time period. But I didn't even know who they yeah, were. Yeah, I forgot to ask you about w- what plays you... Um... Uh, Burn This was probably the most well-known one. And uh, Red Curtain and Destiny of Me. I mean, honestly, I have a terrible memory. So oh. I think it was 11, but, 11 but, altogether. Wow. And but did I never you go saw up to coming. New York to do that, or was that something oh, done yeah. remotely? So you no, were up there with- go to rehearsals and, you know, got to be close friends with um, the director, Marshall Mason, and uh, the playwrights and uh, some of the actors. You know, mm-hmm. they were all well-known actors. And, but again, it was like, it wasn't on my radar. Yeah, and, you know? but it's a really interesting, like, 
weave yeah, through like where it's sort of like Forrest Gump, you know, <laughs> you're you're just, you just Gump. have all these, <laughs> you know, events in your life that have brought you um, to, you know, interesting people, events, places, Yeah, you know, that um, it's really true. And when yeah. I don't really know what to do or what's next, I actually don't go looking outside. Mm-hmm. I go deeper in mm-hmm. and I wait. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I do that. I, I do some soul searching. Like if I feel like things aren't really quite where I want them to be, then I'll, I'll go in and I'll just like really be with myself. Like what's, what's the layers, you know, what are the feelings that I've, I've been avoiding perhaps or, mm-hmm. you know, or what, where am I just at right now? Do you think there's, um, I recently have had a lot of th- this in my own life kind of like, I don't know, like I can't even call it figuring out. Like it's it's this unspoken amorphous sort of a thing. And the word allowing keeps coming to me. Mm-hmm. And also about the little things, something about little things. All these events keep happening that, that are based on something very small. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I've been saying, what's the message here? And it's something about the little things are the big things. The little things are the big things. And I'm like waiting for like that to mesh. But also the word allowing instead of chasing after something, leaning back and allowing and so that sounds like kind of similar to um i i went through a stage where there were things i wanted to happen and i was like doing everything that everyone's oh you need to do this you need to do that and i let i just finally said no it's not it wasn't authentic yeah and i'm like i'm just going to do what i like and see where it goes and just allow, start, start allowing the right thing to come in. Right. And, um, of course, the right thing that's supposed to be coming in is a lottery ticket, but maybe it's coming in a different way. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's when we can't, like, name it. Like you said, you can't name, you can't say this is it necessarily. Because so if we're, like, pointing out that's what I want and that's the, what I'm going to call success, you might walk right past another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And not even, you know, there's that sense of like, keep your rate, like, you know, your windows wide open and like be in the now. Right. Yeah. And again, it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having goals either. Yeah. I mean, it can always go to both sides. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that you can't have a real conversation about life, spirituality without contradicting yourself. Yeah. You have to be willing to see that you can approach anything from any angle or any, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, I totally agree with you. It's like, what happens when you just allow and just drop all the chasing? Yeah. Right. Then you realize you learn something usually pretty profound in my experience about what's really working and what's not working right. in your life. Right. And then from that place, then we might decide, Oh, so I'm going to choose at that point to do this because I can see that that's actually what's really in the picture. Right. And this other stuff I was chasing is kind of like not happening. Yeah. And it's that's not when, authentic. It's and that's just when, like, yeah. that's not, yeah. So maybe there is a time mm-hmm. to let go and allow, and there's a time to be focused and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Even if our focus is to say, I'm just really going to allow and be authentic. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's that, that whole, you know, that whole being human, you know, struggle is like we, to live as a human, you know, you, you, there are certain things you need to do. You do need to get up out of bed <laughs> if you want to allow yourself to have opportunities. Yeah. So there's that, you know, push and pull of like, you know, you can't just like sit in the corner and, and you know, Wait. smoke pot or something to go. I'm waiting for the, waiting you know, for the opportunity <laughs> in a dark corner with the lights turned off and your, your doorbell broken. Right. right. But um, yeah, you have to be there, but you also have to, it's a balance. It is a balance. And I think, I think that's probably my answer is that uh, going for it, but also not going for what doesn't feel right. So I think that's it for me. It's like, I really just check in here, you know, like, is that a good feeling or do, you know, do I feel like it's different? So for example, going for one, you know, it took a week for you to sign this contract Mm -hmm. with the um, Chinese Mm-hmm. Um, plan and you must have had some immediate I like this or I got to think about this you know did you have that sensation was it pretty much like this feels no, right no, it was or, pretty much it feels right you yeah know? there were some things in the contract that I needed to work out and come to some compromises with mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it happened fast there wasn't a lot of resistance right like internal 
Like on anyone's part, mm-hmm. everyone was into it. How about have you ever had an example of a time where something didn't feel right and you're glad you didn't? Um, gotcha, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I can't answer that because it's actually really hard for me to uh, access the past sometimes <laughs> that sounds that. Weird. it sounds weird no I, like, I get it people ask I, I i tend to forget about what things i would call not so good mm-hmm. things that have happened in the past and and somebody will bring up something and i'll be like oh yeah i forgot about that you know mm-hmm. and purposely you know my subconscious says we don't need that you know right so anyway um i think I know I have a zillion more questions, but is there anything else you wanted to share uh, with anyone listening other than I will be having your details about how to reach you? You have this thing coming up in the summer. You have a couple more spots on that. Mm -hmm. This uh, podcast will come out uh, probably in a week, Mm -hmm. but the video will be out in a couple weeks. So um, just for your timing, uh, we're recording this just for you guys to know. This is September 20th today Mm -hmm. and tomorrow is international peace day so i hope by the time people have listened to this they've all become peaceful that's right yeah and there i guess my timing is right we gotta yeah need to wrap it up so you have something you have regular workshops yeah i've got a couple spaces for the maui retreat for february coming up and then I have a couple spaces for the Montana retreat for July. Okay. And that information will be there. And if you you get to this before they're filled, then there's that opportunity to go have an amazing retreat with Peter. Yeah. 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 Uh, Thank you for your time. You should come. No, thank you for, I know. Look, I'm here in Boulder. I'll just keep going. (laughs) You're like, yeah, you should come to Boulder. I'm like, you're right. I should go to Boulder. So um, you're right. I should go to Hawaii. Anyway, Peter, thank you for being my guest, and it's it's really good to talk to you and see you again. And people, thank you for being here and listening, and I will see you next time. Bye. Please enjoy this beautiful recording of the intuitive music that Peter Cater created during my music reading.